Hi, this is Leanne Finley-Maxwell with Panther City Partners Podcast. Welcome back. We This is a, a conversation-style podcast where I chat with people about life's transitions. And for the past few weeks, I've had just myself on here. I'm just chatting with myself. Um, but I'm talking through life's transitions and some of the tools and strategies that I have developed and used over time to navigate those life's transitions. And so far, we have talked about... I'm going to look at my notes here just to make sure... I'm getting them all, but we've talked about making a plan and how it's really important to sit down and make that plan. Um, when you, even if you don't know about the transition in advance, the moment you do know about the transition, trying to make a plan, um, or if you do know about the transition pretty far in advance, then you can then you can make a plan for how you're going to handle it. Um, then when you make a plan, you also have to learn to be flexible because sometimes that plan's not going to work out or roadblocks are going to come or little um, detours are going to happen along the way and you either need to manage the de- the detour and then get back on your plan or, or you might have to remake a new plan. But being flexible is a really good strategy when you are navigating life's transitions. Um, next, you want to be able to use your resources. And I don't just mean like materials and books and websites and things that you can read or consume, but I also mean using your resources like your people around you, your friends, your coworkers, your family, your support system, reaching out to those people and asking for help. You know, I talked a little bit about how it's really easy to provide help for other people or to offer it, but it's kind of hard for some of us to accept help or to ask for help. And so that's a strategy that we need to become more familiar with and more comfortable with is asking for help. Last time I talked about trusting yourself and really using your intuition um, to kind of trust your gut instincts. Now, over the weekend, I spoke with a friend of mine who um, she was concerned because a friend of hers doesn't have very good instincts. And she's kind of going through something right now where my friend is like, I don't trust her instincts. And, you know, that does happen to us sometimes. Um, I think deep down, this mutual friend that we have um, does have good instincts. She just chooses to ignore them. And that can happen a lot of times when we um, get into a situation where we really want something to work out. I really want to make this job work out, even though I know it's not the right thing. Or I really want this relationship to work out, and I'm trying so hard to make it work out. Even though my gut is telling me it's not going to work out, some people stick with the relationship or stick with the job or stick with whatever, and they just don't listen to their intuition. And what I'd like for you to start doing is thinking about listening to your intuition more, because what happens is um, when we don't listen to it or when we suppress it, we start to doubt ourselves and we start to doubt our intuition. So finding that calm space, finding that time where you can listen to yourself um, and get back in touch with your intuition and get back in tune with um, the voice inside your head um, and what in that gut feeling of what it's telling you, when you can get back in tune with it, then you can train yourself to trust yourself again. But, you know, the fast pace of life, the the wanting things to be great, even when they're not always great, um, can can lead us to not trusting our intuition. So trust yourself, but you may have to take some time to retrain yourself to trust yourself. Um, today, I want to talk about my fifth strategy for navigating life's transitions. Um, this is one that I um, really have to work on. <laughs> So it's called avoiding MSU, and it's it's making shit up. Um, 
we all do it. <laughs> um, we all make stuff up. We tell ourselves things that may not be true. Um, so the thoughts, I want you to think about this, this statement here. The thoughts that you think become the beliefs of your life. When you think about it, the stuff that's going on inside your head is what you believe. And if you train yourself to have good thoughts running through your head or positive thoughts or motivational thoughts or um, just uplifting thoughts, then you can believe those things. You believe that, that, that things are good or you believe that even though you're dealing with a transition or you're dealing with a down thing, things are going to get better. Um, but often what happens is we make stuff up in our heads and even if it's not true, that's what we start to believe. Um, we spend a lot of time thinking about the headwinds, you know, the things that are the struggle, the things that are hard, the things that are making our life more difficult. Oh my gosh, if this just wouldn't happen, my life wouldn't be so hard. And we really forget to think about those tailwinds, you know, those things that are kind of pushing us along, those things that look, um, the things that are going right in our life. We forget about those because we spend so much time focusing on those headwinds and the, and the struggle that's happening. So what happens often is um, when we're thinking in that headspace of the headwinds and the things that are in our way and, and causing resistance and causing friction, then um, we start to get into this mindset of things are always bad. So I'm going to tell you a little story <laughs> because I have a story about this one. I have a story about all of them, but especially the making stuff up one. So um, over the past year or so, um, I have been working quite a bit, but not like a real full-time job. I'm very fortunate that I am in this position in my life where I have a great job. I have a couple of great jobs, um, and but none of them are totally full-time. So I am able to have really flexible hours with picking up my kids and um, doing things around the house. But I really, really hate um, to do things around the house. I'm not a fan. I, mean, I like to cook. Um, but I'm not a fan of laundry or dishes or cleaning the house. And I do not spend my Saturday morning straightening up the house. I just, I don't. I know some people do that. They do it well. Their homes are beautiful and immaculate. My house is not one of those. My house is clean, um, but it looks very lived in. Um, but I've noticed over the past year or so that I've been frustrated with my spouse a lot. And I was attributing this to a lot of different things. You know, we're in different places in our careers. We have young children. Um, we have lived in our house for a certain amount of time and things are starting to kind of, you know, feel stuck and boring. We have debt like everybody has. We have, you know, just the day in and day out stressors of life. And um, I truly do love my spouse. You know, he's a great guy. I, I cannot do the jobs that I do right now if I didn't have his support. I couldn't, you know, we couldn't have the wonderful family and, and friends and, and life, you know, vacations and home and all of this stuff. And, you know, this connection that we have, I couldn't do it without him. So I want to put that out there first, that he is a wonderful man, but he's still my spouse. And most people at some point in their life get frustrated with their spouse. And so you know, I'm, I spend a lot of time at home alone 
working, but also, you know, when I work from home, I, I feel like this is something that especially my female friends that work from home do. Um, we don't just do our work at home. We also do the homework at home. And so when I'm working at home, I always am like, oh, I got to do laundry too. So I jump up and go do some laundry or I jump up and go do the dishes or I jump up and fix the meal um, while I'm still working. Um, but I've noticed over the past year or so um, that when I would jump up to go do something, if I found a problem, wherever I was, if I was in the laundry room or upstairs or in the bathroom in my kid's room, if I found a problem, I would go, dang it, Spencer, inside my head. It would just, you know, Spencer's my husband's name. The problem could have absolutely nothing to do with him. But the moment I saw a problem, the kids left their stuff out. The, the laundry had set too long, you know, before being dried. It was still sitting wet, you know, and it starts to smell like mildew or the kitchen was a mess or whatever it was, I would see this problem. And the first thing I would think to myself was, dang it, Spencer, like, like it was his fault. Now, some of the stuff maybe was his fault, but not all of it was his fault. And even if it was his fault, um, my reaction of dang it, Spencer was causing me to have some really negative feelings towards him. So even though he wasn't around, I was blaming him and I was not, um, being very kind to him and the stress that he is under. And I wasn't being very kind to our relationship of like, hey, we're a team. We're a partnership. We're in this together. This isn't just his fault. It's not just my fault. We we operate as a unit, as parents, as a, as a couple. Um, even in my business, we, we operate as a unit usually. So when I was making this up, I was making it up that it was his fault, right? You know, the kids left their stuff out and I was saying, dang it, Spencer. So I'm making this stuff up and I'm saying it to myself over and over and over again. So what do you think happens? Well, our relationship starts to suffer a little bit. I'm frustrated with him and he doesn't even know why. Or there's tension between us, there's stress between us, and we can't put our finger on it. And when I started really thinking about how I wanted to talk about life's transitions and what were the tips and strategies that I used to navigate them, I came across this making stuff up um, in a lot of the reading that I was doing. And I realized that that's what I was doing with Spencer. I was making stuff up. I was making it his fault, even if it had nothing to do with him. Or I was making him the bad guy when it wasn't that big of a deal. So I had to change what I was saying to myself. So this is one of those mindset shifts that I really had to force myself into. So I still come across problems around the house. And, um, you know, when you change a habit, you can't just like stop doing something. You have to replace it. So instead of saying, dang it, Spencer, I couldn't just go to saying nothing because I'm saying it in my head and I would still say, dang it, Spencer, in my head. So what I had to do was actively think about um, something different I could say to myself when I came across these situations. So instead of saying, dang it, Spencer, when I found a mess in the living room, um, I would say, I love him or he works really hard for our family, or gosh, he's working hard today, or man, he had a great weekend and, and things didn't get put away. But I had to shift the narrative. And so I had to stop making things up about him, about what I thought was happening, about the messes around our house. And I had to really force myself to think in a different way. Um, 
you know, you could, you could say I'm still making stuff up. I'm just choosing to make something up that's positive rather than negative. So that is one of the ways that I have tried to avoid MSU making stuff up, but I've avoided it in a, in a kind of a novel way. And I'm not just like not making stuff up anymore, but I'm changing the, the, the intent and the spirit behind what I'm saying to myself. So instead of getting frustrated with him every time I see a mess or every time I see something going on, I try to say something positive about him. Because like I said before, he really is a great guy. He works really hard for our family. We work hard together for our family. Um, But I was making a bunch of stuff up. I was making assumptions about what was happening. Um, So I had to shift that. You know, that is a very personal story about making stuff up. But, you know, we all do this out in our everyday lives. We see someone, you know, someone cuts us off when we're driving and we call them an idiot. We make something up about them. We think we know um, what they're thinking. Oh, they think they're so much more important than me. They had to cut me off. You know, the fact of the matter is I've cut people off before and I didn't even realize I was doing it. So what I've tried to start doing here is stop making stuff up about this person. I don't know this person at all. Maybe they just didn't see me. Maybe they're in a hurry. Maybe they just don't think about it as much on the road. And so they just cut people off. This happens a lot when we encounter people who are different from us too, whether they're different um, political um, affiliation, whether they are different race or ethnicity or background, whether they're different religious affiliation. We see a group of people who may be different than us, other in some way, and we just make stuff up about them. Oh, they don't care about their kids, or oh, those people only believe in, they're single-issue voters, or whatever it is that, that we associate with them. We're making stuff up. We're not really doing that hard work of getting to know them, to get to know who they really are on the inside, to get to know about their feelings and their thoughts. And so we're creating these stories. We're making the stuff up in our heads. And then those thoughts that we're having become the beliefs of our lives. And it makes it hard to transition, right? When we make stuff up and we make assumptions about people and we tell ourselves negative stories or we tell ourselves the bad things, um, then it makes transitions even harder. One of a movie I saw a long time ago when I was a kid, I was probably too young to have seen it, but Pretty Woman. It's a great movie with Julia Roberts. And there's a scene where she's laying down um, with in the she and Richard Gere's character are talking, and he's saying nice things to her, and she's kind of being standoffish about it. And and he's like, Why are you not like accepting my compliments? And and she says, the bad stuff is easier to believe. And that has stuck with me for decades now because it is so true. The bad stuff seems like it's so much easier to believe. Um, You know, it's easier for me to believe that my husband made this mess than to accept responsibility for it myself. Or it's easier for me to believe that this person cut me off because they're mean rather than they just didn't see something. Or it's easier for me to believe these negative thoughts about people who disagree with me than it is for me to actually get in there and be vulnerable and do the hard work of learning about them and trying to come to some kind of understanding. Um, So when we're making this stuff up in our heads, we are really limiting ourselves. We're limiting what we can do and who we can be in the world and how we can show up in 
life, and especially when we navigate these transitions. You want to try to replace those negative thoughts, that negative stuff that you're making up, with something positive. And that can be really hard to do because, like I said before, we focus so much on the bad stuff that's going on. Um, instead of focusing on the good stuff. So I want to have us do another little meditation where we think about um, what are the good things. And so this is another meditation um, from <clears throat> the Greater Good Science Center at, at um, UC Berkeley. And this is something that you can write down, but you can also think about it. So I want you to take a moment, and if you feel comfortable, I'd like for you to close your eyes, take a couple of breaths. And this activity is called Three Good Things. And just in this moment, I want you to think about three good things that have happened to you today. You got up. You had hot water for a shower. You made it to work on time. You had food at your house to eat. You have a car. You were able to hug your children before you dropped them off for school. You were able to kiss your significant other before you left the house. You have a house. Maybe a, a coworker said something kind to you when you got to work this morning. Maybe a fellow driver let you in when you needed to get across traffic. Maybe a complete stranger smiled at you. Maybe a friend texted. Maybe you got tickets something. Maybe you were acknowledged for the hard work you've been putting in at work, at home, in life. Now pick one of those events, one of those three good things, and think about it a little more deeply. What were you thinking before the good thing happened? How did you feel right after? How can you take that good feeling with you and share it with others? You want to refocus your mind on the good events and the positive feelings that came with it. Now, if you've had your eyes closed, you can open them. And just take a moment to sit in that space of feeling good. You know, this activity, three good things, can be done on a daily basis. You can write them down even. Um, that's what the activity really suggests is that once a day for at least a week, 
write down three good things. You can keep a little journal. I know Gretchen Rubin, who is super into the happiness project and some, she's a, an author and a podcaster and, um, she's done lots of, of things around this topic of happiness. She has a journal that's like a five years of three good things or five good things. And, and every day you just write down a few little things so you can buy tools, um, to help you with this activity. You can also just use a piece of notebook paper or a scrap paper or the back of a receipt. But sometimes if you just take a moment to really think about the good things that are happening in your life and focus on them and focus on how it feels, then you can really shift your mindset from one that is making this stuff up about what's bad in your life. And you can really focus on the good in your life and get into that, you know, really kind of dig into that good feeling. We're all going to have rough days and we're all going to struggle with life's inevitable transitions. But really our mindset really can help us um, navigate it well or flail throughout the navigation of a transition. You know, the thing is, is you are going to navigate a transition. I mean, you're going to come out the other side, right? I mean, something changes in your life. Um, a relationship ends, a job ends, a new job happens. You are going to come out the other side of that transition. You can just, you are making the choice to try to do it in a, in a positive way for you or do it haphazardly that could end up in a negative way for you. That's what I'm hoping these strategies will help you think about is how to be intentional about these transitions and how can I make the best outcome for me and my family and not just kind of flail and struggle throughout the entire transition. So we've talked about um, the five different strategies that I use to navigate transition. And um, so now the thing is that you have to practice them. So that's kind of the other piece of today is practice. The only way we get better at something is to practice it. Um, you know, there's that adage of like 10,000 hours. That's, an, that's how often you need to practice something in order to become an expert at it. Now, you are navigating transitions 10,000 hours. <laughs> you have done it already at this point in your life. No matter how old you are, you have been navigating life's transitions for 10,000 hours. Um, what you want to do now is you want to kind of reflect on, have I been practicing in this positive, intentional way when I've been navigating these transitions? Or have I just kind of gone along with things and been really frustrated and not really understood why? So now you can have, now that you understand these tools and you can see how they can be used, um, you can start to implement them if you want to. You know, some people um, are never going to be good planners. Um, they don't want to be good planners. And that's totally fine. If planning isn't the best strategy for them, then maybe they're not going to use it. But I bet they can use the being flexible strategy or the avoid making stuff up strategy. So I, again, I don't want this to be like, this is the only way to navigate life's transitions. That's not it at all. These are just some strategies and tips that I have found that have really helped me. And so I want to share them with you and hopefully they'll help you. Whichever ones speak to you or whichever strategies feel like, oh, this is the right thing. I want you to take some time and be intentional and practice it. So I'm just going to recap here real fast that the strategies that we've talked about are make a plan, be flexible, use your resources, both materials and people, trust yourself, and avoid making stuff up. When you practice these things, when you use them over and over again, you will start to see that transitions do become easier and they do at least go a little more smoothly. Um, 
we are all dealing with transitions. The only constant is change, but you don't have to go it alone. And I really hope that these tra- these strategies and these tips will help you as you navigate um, the next transitions in your life, whether they be big or small or anticipated or unanticipated transitions. Um, today, I want to share with you all a book that I have read. Um, I've been doing that recently um, just to give you guys some some. I don't know, fodder for what you like to read. This one is not a considered like a self-help or a, you know, that pop psychology type books that I usually um, like to recommend. This is just a straight up novel. Um, it's by Geraldine Brooks and it's called People of the Book. And it came out several years ago and I was kind of late to the party on reading it. Um, it came out in, well, now I can't find the the publishing date. Anyway, it came out several years ago and I was late to the party on reading it, but it is a really good book. Um, It's about um, a rare book um, expert who has been offered this opportunity to, um, I'm making it sound really exciting, who's been offered this opportunity to (laughs) um, restore an old book. And so the the book is about a book and how that book has traveled from, you know, ancient times to present times. And Everybody who puts their hands on that book, everybody who comes in contact with that book is a part of the story. And I think that that's such a great metaphor for life because everyone that I come in contact with, every person that you come in contact, whether it's for a brief time or for a longer time, has an impact on your life. And it can be a positive impact. It can be a negative impact. But you can really choose how you want to see it. And this book is a a really fun read. I'm a librarian, and so I particularly like a book about a book. That's very meta to me. Um, But it's very interesting to see the way these different personalities come together and these different people who have had a hand in this book, um, their stories all come together. You know, we all have a story to tell, um, and the people that we encounter in our lives all have their own stories. And I think sometimes that we get bogged down in thinking that, our, my story is the only story out there. My story is the most important because it's happening to me. And when we do that, we kind of fall into that pattern of making stuff up where we put ourselves kind of as the focal point of all stories. Yes, I am the focal point of my story, but I'm not the focal point of all stories. And so when I can take a moment and, and remember that I'm not the focal point of all stories, then I'm able to connect with other people and have and really have a, a sense of the appreciation for how um, those other people have an impact on my life and how I might impact their lives as well. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for listening. Um, Thank you for sharing with me in this time. And hopefully I've given you some things to think about and some ways that you can be more intentional about how you navigate transitions. I'll say it again. The only constant is change, but you don't have to go it alone. Remember that Panther City Partners is here through the podcast, through academic coaching, through life coaching, um, through Instagram. Um, I'm here and um, hopefully you're finding something beneficial from all of these endeavors. Please remember to follow me on Instagram at, at Panther City Partners. Please download and listen and share the podcast. Please share. That's the that's how we're getting out to new listeners. Um, remember that we're starting to upload um, episodes to YouTube. So if you want to watch the podcast and not just listen to the podcast, you can go to my YouTube channel at Panther or it's Panther City Partners and check it out there. Um, I hope that 
you find something worthwhile for you. I hope that you find something valuable. And I'll be back soon with another conversation about navigating life's transitions. Remember, the only constant is change, but you don't have to go it alone. I'm Leanne Maxwell with Panther City Partners. Have a great day.